Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Jake Cunningham and this week joining me to talk about Claire Denise Let the Sunshine In is the contributing editor to Little White Lies, Sophie Mox Kaufman. Hello Sophie. Hi Jake. And regular podcast <laughs> co-host Kelly Powell. Hello. Back from a lovely holiday and from South Africa mm-hmm. you have in fact let the sunshine in <laughs> to London. Um, despite the fact we're recording in a basement with only a small portion of natural light, uh, the sunshine has very much come in. How are you doing? Yeah, Good, yeah. Happy. Happy to see the sun in London. Yeah. Now, this uh, this film, the latest from Claire Denis, it's been five years since Bastards and we're going to get High Life later this year. Uh, and Sophie, you were the first person in the room to really see this film. That was almost a year ago today. Absolutely. It was a very special and memorable occasion. Like There are a handful of times when you watch a film that is so thematically close to what you're going through in your life that it feels like a part of you. And Let the Sunshine In is about a recently divorced woman who then encounters uh, a slew of new men. I I, ha- I didn't encounter a slew of new men, <laughs> but I was very freshly single when I saw it. And it just, it's, it's, it's life-affirming thesis of just being open to life and not being defensive, just like totally nourished me. And it was, yeah, it was opening the director's fortnight at Cannes. Yeah, um, and it's been 30 years since Claire Denis played in the actual competition of Cannes with her with her film uh, Chocolate or Chocolat. I apologise for my butchering of the French <laughs> language throughout this episode. Definitely um, say Chocolat because otherwise people would think you're talking about the other Juliette Binoche mm, Johnny yes, Depp film. True. Chocolat set in Cameroon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's the that's still the only time that a Denis film has played in competition at Cannes. Um, but it's Let's riot, I say. Yeah. Yeah. When you say the name Claire Denis, people associate like such prestige with that and such power and uh, it feels like sometimes these just get brushed under the rug particularly with let the sunshine in um i think people are have high expectations for high life and coming just a year before that um maybe this one's having a bit of a quiet time which it shouldn't really because it's a really fabulous film we do actually have an interview with claire and that was with Josh Smith, who was was going to be here today to talk about because he's such a, uh, a great and passionate Denis fan. But sadly, uh, he had to pull out last minute. But he's um, 
He's a member of the Curzon team and as well as being the programmer for the Japanese avant-garde and experimental film festival. And uh, so we'll play that for you in a bit. Um, but before we do, let's, uh, let's get a bit of a background on this film. Because, Sophie, this is definitely not an adaptation of Roland Barthes' Lover's Discourse. No. Uh, as indeed it inaccurately says on the film's Wikipedia page, it is, it is not an adaptation. Um, it, this is a very popular misconception because Claire Denis was, I think, in, in talks with the Barthes estate to adapt it. But she says that they they took a look at her her script for Let the Sunshine In. At, well, in her words, she said they said it was sh**, but I'm sure they said something more diplomatic than that. And also they were in, incorrect. And so that, that they're very, very much not affiliated with uh, Let the Sunshine In, or mm. by its French name, which is more poetic, en beau soleil intérieur. Mm. Yeah, which actually which has a, a different translation directly as well it's uh, a great sunshine inside when we're looking at Binoche's character I think is it, well it's in the French translation interior it feels like a more interior title whereas perhaps let the sunshine in feels like an exterior title that's reflecting onto her I agree yeah I, I uh, let sunshine in just sounds kind of wrong it, when you watch the film and you see what it's about it's yeah. better I think in French yeah I, I think um there is maybe some misconception about what this film might be and mm. there is uh, a lot of maybe easy uh, coverage just to say it's a Claire Denis rom-com and I don't think necessarily that is no. what this is. Uh, I think that's... It's reductive. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's accurate to say it's a Claire Denis rom-com but you have to understand what Claire Denis means. So it, it, it only undersells it if you're not already in love with and enthralled to Claire Denis and Claire Denis is someone who makes the most evocative uh, mood driven types of films and so she, this is a kind of unusual film for her because there's a lot of dialogue like the, the characters are a, a kind of in non-stop conversation but unlike I, I would say preconceptions about the rom-com that it you know it's kind of quite chirpy and surface level and this is very much about what it means uh, in in your soul to be open to romance and the the men that Juliette Binoche's character Isabel encounters in the course of the film, they're, they're shall we say, not ideal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Juliette Binoche in this, she she she's a performer who ne never turns in a dud. But this is still, even for her, a career best performance because she just channels this extreme vulnerability and receptivity to intimacy and she just comes alive with whoever she's with it's comic just simply because she encounters these men very earnestly and takes them as they are but Claire Denis' camera and Christine Ango's script which she co-wrote with Denny has perhaps a more wry sensitivity and a, a sense of how games are being played so it, it is a rom-com but it's a, a like a soulful rom-com and mm. it, it's one that just can make you want to give people a chance mm. which sincere is, yeah it's really sincere yeah. Um, I like that you said that the camera work sort of gives you insight into the power dynamics between her and these men. And um, specifically the bar scene, which I think was, it stood out for me. With the banker. With the banker, yeah. Um, that sort of, instead of doing a, a shot, reverse shot, it kind of flows. The way that sort of the power 
yeah, power play flows yeah. between them. Well, it almost looks like it's been they've done a few different takes, but they've all just yes. always done it in a one one take, and each time the master on a was like, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just in case your listeners don't know, this 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 guy, this is the first guy that uh, Isabel encounters, and he is this alpha banker type who is just abominably rude to this <laughs> barman. But uh, and, and and Isabel's quite impassive in in watching him treat the barman like this, and the barman's quite impassive himself in being treated like that. So it's quite exposing of his character without feeling like a tense or mm. overly cruel situation. Mm. Mm. Uh, so this this banker is the the first of the men that we meet along this this journey, uh, and so. To give some background about the character that Isabel that Juliet Binoche plays, she's an artist living in Paris. Uh, she's divorced. This this affair is called off uh, early in the film. I think he has the horrible line like, "You're fantastic, but my my wife is amazing." Extraordinary. 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 Yeah. There we are. Um, and so he returns to his wife. His wife and Isabel uh, faces this issue of midlife loneliness. So there's a there's an actor. There's a a working class man who her milieu mm. as they so like to describe themselves are not too fond of and you've got uh, a number of new admirers and jealous friends and we just kind of go through these little ellipses of uh, mm. conversations with these men uh, but I think now might be a great time uh, to go to our interview with with Josh and Claire and uh, Sophie, you mentioned about this this being a collaboration with Christine Ango, who's a uh, playwright and novelist. And Josh takes a really nice uh, opening point to the to the interview about this film blending those two artworks. Claire Denis, thank you for joining us on the Curzon Film Podcast. Um, we're here to talk about your latest film, Let the Sunshine In, uh, which you co-wrote with Christine Ango. You've collaborated with Christine before um, on Voilà L'Enchantement. Um, yeah. And Let the Sunshine In feels quite uh, like novelistic in its character development. Um, I wonder how you kind of navigated uh, visual and literary representations in the film. For me, um, I think novelistic, no, in a way. Um, I'm, I'm a great fan of Christine. I've been reading a book. Uh, I've been, I, I read... Uh, I, I went to listen to readings in theaters with actors, and that's how the first work we did, the little film, was really a how could I say that a a, a great a great melting. I had no idea it was novelistic. I thought all the words of Christine are immediately ready f for the film you know there is no no barrier at all mm. no mm. i never thought of a barrier or a novelistic approach mm. i thought it was just talk 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 like in real life when words are looping in between characters like um a ball when you play uh, ping pong mm. or tennis and sometimes it hurts sometimes it's out and sometimes it's just a, a noise or a rhythm and I think in fact it's um, 
almost so realistic mm. that um, there was never a question for me. You know, maybe after when the film was fin finished, Christine told me, wow, it's incredible, you, the way you filmed it, as if she was surprised. And I said, I told her, but you write like that. I, mm. It was not difficult. Mm. And um, it's hard to see anyone other than Juliette Binoche in this role. Yeah. Um, she's able to kind of portray the vulnerability of, of Isabel's character um, with a kind of openness and an honest honesty. Um, I wonder whether you had Isabel in mind when you were writing the part. Isabel, you mean Juliette? Oh, sorry, Juliette, sorry. Yeah. Uh, n n no, the thing is, because every we were working, Christine is is working fast and and for me it was also important that this project was fast because mm. I had another project in the perspective yeah. that was delayed and truly I I saw no one I was watching Christine when we were walking in a cafe and probably she was watching and listening to me mm. and for me it was a mixture of me watching her and her listening to the, my questions or you, you know or hearing my laughing mm. I think for me it was a mixture of her and me and because of her I thought this woman should be dark hair maybe mm. not a blonde and and then Juliette Binoche is um, having agent with mm. also my agent mm. and he read the script and Juliette read it and she we know each other very well mm. and she said uh, she asked me she, she, she told me it's me you know and I said if you feel like it, then let's go, you know. Um, I told her immediately, I want to see your breast. I want to see your leg. I want you to wear leather jacket, high heel boots. I want you to be the most sexy woman ever. That's all I want you to think of. So Juliette understood so well, she accepts to be that woman, physically, um, sexy and strong, and yet to be able to be able to show um, some of her weakness. Mm. And she does. And that weakness is kind of, um, is seen by a lot of others as well, obviously. I mean, I think you pro provide a kind of harsh critique of this toxic masculinity that we're seeing surface in the arts. And I'm thinking of Xavier Beauvoir's character, Vincent. Um, he's a kind of Weinstein-like predatory figure. Oh, no. First of all, we made the film before the, the yeah. Weinstein affair. Yeah. And Weinstein is not... Uh, there are millions of Weinstein mm. since the world exists, you mm. know. You don't need Weinstein to imagine a guy like that. Mm. We have met a guy like that. Mm. Christine, 
me and Juliette probably, mm. no doubt about that. But by having Xavier Beauvoir interpreted mm. that guy, I made the character, I think, also lovable. Maybe he's using a perverse way to treat her, mm. but it's clear in the film that she was in love with him. Mm. I, I cannot imagine falling in love with Harvey Weinstein. No. I think most of what I've read is about his use of power, mm. Uh, upon women, but also probably upon men, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I don't think Xavier Beauvoir at all is in that category of okay. men. I only say that because uh, there's the scene in the art gallery where Juliette, uh, yeah. she's escaping his kind of predatory uh, It's attention. not predation. It, it, he's trying, she said, she told him, go away, yeah. don't call me. And he, he wants, he, Juliette he is trying mm. to, um, she is the one who push him out, you know. Mm. I don't think he's, he's trying a pre predatory uh, approach that is so tiny. Mm. Really, it's, it's not a big fear. She's, She's just leaving because it's like a, it's like a fly mm. uh, above your plate, you know? Right. A predatory affair. Someone with a predator is a danger. Mm. I think it is art gallery is not a danger. Mm. No. When she leaves, she, yeah. uh, you cut to very, very quickly to a painting of a young girl lifting her skirt to a wolf. Yeah. And I think that's why I kind of made that connection between... I, yeah, Xavier this Beauvoir. painting was also... Uh, Is she also inviting it? Yeah, I wonder. It's the painter in the beginning of the scene, mm. Susan Osborne. It was her last painting, and I thought it was funny to see that someone... Girls are not afraid. Mm. I think. Yeah. Even when it's a big bad wolf. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, also, I really love the um, the end credit sequence. Uh, the way yeah. that it kind of interrupts this dialogue between Isabel and her fortune teller, played by Gerard Depardieu, um, and it for me it kind of highlights the absurdity of their interaction and the sort of pointlessness of these endless conversations around it's relationships. It's a loop. It's l a looping. Mm. Yeah, and it's a great way of kind of like, I w well, I wondered whether this was a call from you to act more impulsively on our feelings and not to overanalyze relationships. I never overanalyze. Uh, I, I hate overanalyze. When I'm shooting, I mm. think um, shooting is something. Um, we done it in one day, you know, mm. this scene. Ah. It's seven page in the script, you know. Wow. And one shot on Gerard and one shot on Juliette. Um, I had prepared my mind to do it like that, with this glorious light behind him, like gold. Um, I think the necessity of this looping effect of those sentences, it could never end, you know? 
So I never wanted to say, this is the end of the film. I wanted this to go endless. Mm. And I think, in a way, it, it's also what a fortune a teller uh, could... Uh, it's it, it's uh, also more than... It's a, a, a clairvoyant. Mm. It's, what can you say about the future of someone? He says is is the best. He says, open yourself, St- open, open, and I think it's great because it's true. It is true. Um, when you're in sorrow, you think that you have to close the window, close the door, close your chest because the pain has to be kept inside, and in a way, the best treatment could be open, open up. Uh, Yet he tries to insert himself into this future. He is also (laughs) trying to enter. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I like best. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, I want to also ask you, um, actually... I know someone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, About about your next film, High Life. it looks like quite a departure from your previous work. You know, you've got uh, Andre Benjamin, Robert, Robert Pattinson, Mia Goth, and it's your first English language uh, feature. Um, no, I made a short one a oh, long okay. time ago with Vincent Gallo. Right. Uh, keep it to yourself in New York in 90. Mm. So this this is, uh, am I right in saying it's co-written by Zadie Smith or she's involved no, in the writing somehow? she was not involved. Okay. I mean, there was a, the script was written in French mm, okay. first with me and my usual co-writer, Jean-Paul Fargeau. And then it needed to be translated. And I asked the English producer, Oliver Dungey, who was at the origin of this film, like the one who asked, who told me, Claire, I would like to produce a film with you in English. I told him, I need someone to tr- not only to translate, but someone I could be able to speak the dialogue with. And he introduced me to Zadie Smith. And... Nick, her husband, is a poet, and but I think for Zadie and Nick, um, it was already written. I don't think it, it was. There was nothing to do for the three of us. Mm. Like we quickly abandoned the project, mm. you know, and we kept the film translated the way it was, and. We worked on the dialogue, but not with Zadie, you know? Hmm. It's far from your other projects. Yeah, it's true, it's far because it's away from Earth. Hmm. It's even away from the solar system. Yeah, it's far. I, I think the most hard, the hardest thing the most difficult thing was to get the film finance. Mm. Uh, normally, it's not a big budget, but uh, I think maybe the script was a little... Um, not. I don't know what people expect of me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the thing is, the people, the actors and actresses in the film 
are very dear to me. Like Andre Benjamin was dear to me for many reasons. And Juliette Binoche, of course. Mm. Um, Mia got immediately love at first sight. Mm. I do not make um, casting session. I, I don't test actor. I just met her in a hotel once. Okay. And then the day after, we had lunch. And I mean, I I don't like... If if you feel something is going strong, then what can I test, you know? They, they have to test me, maybe, you know, to make sure I'm a good director. Right. How can I test them to make sure they are going to be good in the film? And Robert was the biggest surprise for me because I thought I wanted uh, a middle-aged man. Hmm. And I was so sure about that, that when I heard Robert was interested working with me through my producer and the casting agent, I was really afraid. I was afraid to be attracted because he was this very attractive young man. And I thought, no, this is not for me, for the film. This is not fair. I wanted a, a man in the in his fifties, um, who was who had cut his heart away. I mean, he, he didn't want to be in, to love anyone anymore. Mm. How could this be possible with Robert? And Robert, sort of. He did not convince me. He, I quietly wait until I really start seeing him, right. seeing the man he is, the how precious he is, you know, and then suddenly the age thing disappear. Yeah, completely. And I will never regret that for sure. Great. Mm. Great. Well, very much look forward to it. Kazani, uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Okay, uh, so thanks to Josh and Claire for doing that. Um, really loved uh, a lot of her answers there, particularly the first question about this uh, idea of combining the writing style of a novelist uh, to that of a film writer. And you really get a sense, listening to the interview, that she is thinking in images all the time. And because in each question she answered, she initially doesn't launch into it. It feels like she's really being careful about what she's saying. Mm. And a number of times she will wrap, wrap up the point by plucking an image, image out of thin air. In one of the questions, she ultimately ends the point with about a fly buzzing around mm. some mm. soup. Um, and she, she's she thinking, thinks in visual images, I yeah. think, which is quite interesting. And the way that she, we spoke about this earlier, but the way that she answers her questions are quite, as you said, you know, she finds her point as she goes along. Mm. Um, and uh, she kind of does this meandering sort of... Uh, way of getting to her point which I think that her film felt a little bit like that as well you know the sort of like you said it before as well as like these ellipses of 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 moments or mm. or um you know the way that the the film the narrative is structured is not so or structure is the wrong word to use but it kind of flows from one sort of image and 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 version of men and this woman uh to another you know through her life yeah, um, Sophie, in the interview with you that for Little White Lies, I think Claire mentioned about this idea of loops and looping conversations, and that's quite a, a big feature in the film. Yeah, a lot of the, the, the comic touches come from the absurdity of these conversations. There's one especially great exchange that I don't want to say too much about because I don't want to spoil it, but it's with the actor and they're in a car together and uh, they're deciding whether he's going to come up with her. And it just goes round in these circles that almost don't mean anything. Um, and the real story is being t- told by a hand on the handle of the car door. And I think she's very good at kind of showing... Yeah, because she, she's someone who is incredible at telling stories with images and she's great at exposing how people's behaviour betrays them while their words might be doing something mm. else. And... There's a, a lovely detail. It's not even given a close-up, but in the back on the back wall of her living room is a poster for Etta James. And then a later point in the film, there is the most wonderful dance scene, which um, something that uh, Claire Denise like focused on before, particularly, uh, and a love of choreography. And this this leads into this beautiful dreamlike moment where you're just able to watch two people really mm. enjoying each other and enjoying each other's bodies and just mm. getting raptured with the music yeah. but I think there's also why I love that that poster's there is because you hear At Last by Etta James in a romantic setting like a club it's always going to feel super romantic yeah. but because we see that poster early on it's almost like it's this call like a sign from the universe yeah. that this is something to pursue and that's I think uh, what you've kind of touched on Sophie about her being open to romance that she's there are these signs that she and she's really willing to give herself over to it this is the point where I'm gonna obnoxiously read from my own interview with Claire Denis because yeah you're absolutely right this is what Claire Denis said about Etta James she said that she was the exemplary woman for the film and then when she first spoke to Juliette Binoche, she told her, you have to consider Etta James, what kind of a woman she was. She wanted more love, more and more. She would go on stage with a provocative dress. She was asking so much to be loved, to be able to love. 
Etta James is a real, real loose figure. I always told Juliet, that's your figure for the film, Etta James, a special woman. She started singing when she was 12 in cabaret. She is a wild, wild woman screaming for love. You intuited it without having to read that, which shows just how like in- integral she is. Mm. Um, as a, as like as a as an emotional and singing avatar for G- Juliet Binoche's character, and this um, this romance um, with uh, the character played by Paul Bland, a chap called Sylvan. This is um, this is probably what leads to like the the saddest part of the film for me, where she is clearly having a a lovely time with this chap, mm. uh, and then goes to meet a friend who's a, a gallery owner who raises the point that he's working class and should she really be hanging out with him? And initially she bats it off uh, and confidently has uh, like believes in her love with him. Uh, and then almost in the next scene, she she has to raise that query. Uh, mm. And it's, re- it's a real shame to, to see that happen and that just how that, that influence of that one comment can make her question her romance like that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's uh, but that's that's maybe my favorite scene in the film is this. Oh, it's your favorite. Oh wait, wait, what's your favorite scene? The the dance. Oh, okay, so not the manipulative. Oh no no no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So for me, just that that magical moment of that music kicking and the light kind of changes, <clears> and that that's where <throat> we get the poster image as well. Mm. Um. Uh, there is another particular moment during a walk in the countryside that I really got this sense of catharsis from mm. uh, I mean I think it's the first time she kind of really lets herself go yeah uh, so yeah. This, this is um, she's taken herself on a on a break to a, a country with house with fellow artists and like gallerists and yeah from her milieu and we're again getting more non-statements uh, that don't really mean much <laughs> as we're walking so walking obnoxious like, yeah um, <laughs> and she does just have this yeah. moment where she snaps and <laughs> yeah. uh, she cov- cakes her boots in mud and storms off and it's just mm. it's wonderful to watch and um, yeah Binoche is just fantastic in this oh, she's great this months ago now that I first saw the film which was at um, LFF and when we did our roundup show I, I brought up the fact that when I was uh, on Twitter and scrolling through reactions, uh, I then went on to record and I said that uh, I couldn't remember who it was, but someone had said that she's so fantastic because she's just got so much feeling mm-hmm. in her face. Yeah, uh, she emotes yeah. so much. And I brought this up to someone a couple of weeks ago who then said, yeah, that was so, <laughs> that was Sophie who said that. Yes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah, Sophie, I wonder if you could talk about... Uh, Juliette Binoche's performance and that feeling in her face. First of all, thank you for mythologizing me with some Twitter backstory. (laughs) Much appreciated. Yeah, well, her eyes just, I don't know how she does it. They just, they seem to flicker with light. And I think she's very good at listening and reacting. So she seems so natural in all these situations, which are predominantly situations that are intimate like she's an artist but we don't really see much of like there's one scene where she kind of pours a whole load of paint on a giant canvas cathartically but for the most part that what we're seeing in her life are her intimate situations and she just is so natural and so responsive and so unpredictable that it just feels like raw and I I, I'm not you know I'm not exactly qualified to say this but she herself has said she is I mean she says it in that interview with Josh I believe that she is Isabel 
And I also interviewed Juliette Binoche in Cannes and was asking her questions about, you know, because when I first watched the film, I was a little bit worried about her total lack, her character's total lack of filter or boundaries. A guy comes along, she'll listen to him, he'll make advances on her, she'll be receptive. And she doesn't go into these situations detached. She feels she 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 feels in reaction to people and so she's kind of defenseless kind of vulnerable and i was asking Juliet Binoche about this and she was like yeah i'm, I'm the same <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's what makes a great artist to just not shut mm. yourself off and she is a, a great artist mm. imo i quite like also that like in the film as you said like we don't see the actual artwork that she creates but you you know almost because we're like we're we're watching her inspiration unfold on screen, you know, and also the way that like I don't know, it's like, art comes from life obviously, and the inspiration comes from you know our, our our lived experience, and I like how the film focuses on that rather than the pretentious sort of high art analysis that comes with the finished product mm. you know right and a good contrasting figure is the worst character the one who poisons her mind against her working class lover and he mm. is someone who it's transparent that he's jealous that he wants to be with Isabel but unlike her he is he is not naked and honest he has to dress everything up mm, in this really portentous toxic way mm. so uh, in a way it's just like you say it's showing that she's just someone who is is truly sensitive to life mm. uh, I just want to draw attention to uh, the, the, the camera and editing uh, just in relation to this point to really make Binoche's performance shine uh, because she as much as this performance is like magnetic and emotional it's rare that she delves into the easy emotional choices from a technical perspective uh, there's only there's a handful of close-ups in the film of her by herself rather than in a two-shot or in a moving one mm. like in the bar scene. Mm. So when you do just get that static close-up of her face, which has all that feeling, mm. I, like that made me well up. And I wasn't mm. even sure why. It's not like this was like a, a completely manipulated emotional scene. Sometimes it's just that complete empathy that takes you over and combined with exactly the right camera choice and editing mm -hmm. and cut at the right moment mm. to really have such a great What was the most effect. emotional edit for you? When were you welling up? There were three particular close-ups. I couldn't tell you exactly what scene it was in. I just remember that feeling of that close-up. Of the bathroom scene as well. Yeah. When she goes to speak to her friend and she goes through like a, like a rollercoaster of emotions mm. in, that, in that sort of monologue uh, and you really do feel what she's feeling. She, she she feels also extremely authentic, you know, mm. as a as a, a well-rounded, complex human being, which I think I appreciated the most. Yeah, it's disarming to see such a performance, uh, you know. And again, I guess the reason why it feels that uh, not exactly like a boilerplate rom-com is it doesn't feel like she's delivering lines. Mm. It feels like she's just reacting all the time. Which great actors always are those mm. those that sort of feel what in the moment what the other person is sort of delivering, which is why I think the the close up on her on her when they don't cut when the other person is talking is because you see that you know you see on her face the reaction. Mm. Yeah, it's just she manages to subvert just a basic shot reverse shot mm. for these conversations. 
so elegantly mm. uh, and it never feels like they're being elongated for any other reason than they should be mm. um, uh, which is often the case with maybe doing something in one take that you've done it like that and you can't cut away from it yeah. um, but she she knows exactly what she wants to say and how she wants to make it mm-hmm. uh, it's really lovely to watch uh, and just kind of get get lost in those conversations because they've they've been beautifully made as well as what's being said in them mm. and w- what you're saying about uh, this this type of female character I don't think it's the kind of thing that we been would really encounter in an English film as well I think this idea of the the older woman uh, rom- like romance film is something like Hampstead or Marigold <laughs> Hotel that is oh, what yeah. like the trappings of it that we would have mm. over here like nice like desexualized old yeah, people yeah 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 exactly mm. um, and there's not much introspection there or understanding or concern or anything it's just very much isn't it nice that old people can find love rom- again yeah. yeah if I may flag one exception but it, it doesn't go all the way like uh, like Juliet like Juliet um, mm-hmm. But Andrew Haig's 45 Years is, uh, has yeah. this interesting True. sex scene, um, mm. w- which is, it, it, it's it's kiboshed for for for, for reasons, <laughs> but it, it shows a, a hunger still present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very good, very good example. Thank what a, you. What a film! What a film! Yeah, he's yeah. one of my favorite directors. I think. Oh well, we'll get you back for Lean on Please? <laughs> oh yeah. my, I've seen mm. it even. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I'm really excited. It's amazing. Yeah, I think we've got Charlie Plummer for that one as well. Oh, he's great in it. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so we 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 haven't really gone too much into spoiler stuff about what's like happening with the plot on this. I don't. It's it's not really a yeah, spoilery it's not, film. Yeah, I think you do have these um, different little. Uh, sequences with mm. these different chaps. Uh, I really do love the the final sequence, which, in terms mm. of credit sequences, has Amazing. maybe got more coverage than a lot of credit sequences out there will get. Uh, and I really love it. It's incredibly um, experimental. It's it's great. Yeah, I, um, it. I saw this in a relatively quiet screening, and then I saw it on a link as well. Sophie from imagine the can screening was pretty busy oh yeah and Cladini was sat behind me oh right. amazing so no pressure <laughs> <laughs> maybe stay for the credits on yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, there was a really long standing ovation oh. it was lovely um, so I'm really and she's got this lovely grizzled laugh <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious to ask you then uh, particularly she standing ovation so this film is these series of conversations and then we go to a final conversation which is with Gerard Depardieu's character who is a recently uh, made single man who is a psychic and is about to uh, give Isabel uh, advice on romance uh, and what she should do with the various men that she has met or perhaps maybe there's uh, another man that could place himself in this conversation as well and during this conversation he kind of loops back onto making the same points again and again and mid conversation the credits just start appearing mm. and uh, Claire mentions this in the interview of going back to this idea of looping this endless conversation these endless cycles mm. and it's an odd moment uh, because we're so used to you you cut to black or mm. the film defi- definitively ends and then maybe you get a image related to the film and that's where the credits are, but this is just mid scene, mm. and uh, I was, I'm really curious to ask you what that reaction was like. Whether it was a bit everyone confused and then started clapping, or was it just everyone silent until the end? Yeah, I, I think we we waited it out. Like you don't you don't clap while Gerard is still talking. <laughs> 
but he he he's uh, I mean it, it's out there now but he was a bit of a punchline because nobody knew he was in it and it was because again the way that it's initially shot that conversation he's introduced in a conversation where he's a indecipherable figure sat in a car and you're like oh he's sat having a chat in a car <laughs> and then you go in and you're like is it and then yeah there he is <laughs> and yep. he's at such a he's such a distinctive physical figure these days uh <laughs> Yes, I mean, uh, his his nose alone in this scene is such a, a focal point for the screen. It's, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal performance by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then he get, and he gets a massive title card as well. Just for appearing at the end, he's maybe like fifth build and his name almost covers the whole bottom half of the screen. It's it's great. Um, I really love those credits. Yeah, and it's, it's tied in with a string of other really lovely um, credits credit deployment and ones that I think maybe have worked or haven't uh, doing a bit of writing on this which I'll put in the in the link or sorry in the description of this episode as well I do just want to quickly mention uh, Tinder Sticks doing fabulous music your, your eyes have lit up immediately <laughs> as I've said that Sophie oh just just because I mean they, they're they're a long time collaborator with Claire Denis like, it's, it, I think you most especially feel them in her previous film Bastards which is tonally a world away from Let the Sunshine In Bastards I would be like approach with caution this is exceptionally grim Let the Sunshine In I would be like flock flock to it flock to it yeah. Um, which actually it did make me laugh during the scene where she was saying that she uh, can only get off by calling the banker a bastard mm. as well. <laughs> oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. I've seen it three times. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so t- just go out and check out Let the Sunshine In. It is in cinemas. And I think I always, I pretty much say this every week. It's a cinema film. Go watch it in the cinema. But um, if you can't, it is on demand as well on uh, on Curzon Home Cinema. Um, anyone else? Have you got any final points before I wrap this up? Uh, can I? Can I plug? Can I do some plugs? Do some plugs. Plug okay. what you like. So you know how we were talking about um, older women sex scenes? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I actually have a piece. It's not just about older women. It's about female desire, uh, flagging 10 movies that explore female desire. And that will be on the BFI website. Um, and in that, there's one, a, a Chilean film called Gloria, which is about oh. a woman in her 50s. Oh, that's the Sebastian mm. Lelio. Yeah, yeah, Sebastian Lelio. Um, and it's a woman in her fifties who gets to enjoy an explicit sex scene. So Great. if you if you're hung, hungering for more of that, and that's out this week. For yeah. This, great. So we can put that in the description as well. Great, so great. make sure you do go and uh, read that article too. Um, and once you've seen Let the Sun Shine In, do check out Cousin Home Cinema. I would say the other film you need to be prioritising right now is 120 BPM. Mm. I plugged this on the last episode. Mm-hmm. We got the interview um, with Robin Campillo. Do go and check that. Out. I think that's just an absolutely phenomenal film uh, for me I don't think there will be a better film this year but like that's definitely hyperbolic mm. but it's it's such a wonderful wonderful film and um, before before we sound off uh, I just want to highlight Josh Slater-Williams who did email in after we requested reviews of 120 BPM after last week's episode 120 beats per minute more like 120 stars per minute am I right? So thanks for that, Josh. And also Alessandro uh, Capuano, who emailed in this week uh, to highlight Custody, uh, which I still haven't seen. uh, But he says it's a little masterwork of tension and misdirection, constantly shifting between sides and playing the cards of ambiguity and the untold. The thrills are built thanks to a suspenseful use of sound whose crescendo is really wise and ingenious. The misdirecting element is guaranteed by Legrand's use of the camera, by leading the cast's outstanding performance, and by a screenplay evolving in unpredictable ways, showing the personal tragedies 
hidden behind closed doors. I must check out Custody as well before that leaves cinemas. Uh, if you've got thoughts on Let the Sun Shine In, Custody, uh, Isle of Dogs or BPM, any of our recent releases, do let us know uh, by emailing podcast at curzon.com for next week's show. Uh, if you haven't already, do make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Acast. Uh, and if you feel like it, leave us a review or comment as well. Uh, until next week, though, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Kelly. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from Sophie. Au revoir. Thank you.